this morning. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. And we're going to look at something here. There's a verse in this that I've never seen until recently. And I want to talk to us about trusting Jesus in the unexpected. How many of you has figured out as you walk with Jesus that sometimes something happens unexpected? That is so unexpected that it's even unexplainable. You don't understand? And that sometimes it's even unwanted. I wanted to put all that up there, but it wouldn't fit. So I just put trust in the unexpected. And I want us to look here. It's in the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a, from birth, born to do the will of God. He was the chosen one who would be the prophet who would be the last of the Old Testament prophets, who would preach and prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus himself says in the passage here that he was the greatest of all the prophets. He grew up and did everything he was supposed to do. He had accomplished everything that Jesus called him to do. And here he is now, something unexpected has happened. He finds himself in prison. And he, even in him, you see something that what I want to call a crisis of belief, possibly, but something unexpected, something he's probably not able to understand, he's not able to explain, and he's certain something he wanted. And he gets to the place where he's wondering if Jesus is the coming one, if he's the Savior, the Messiah. And as you read it here with me, it starts in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And that's what he was doing. And he had been on the scene for quite a while by now. And when John, John the Baptist in chapter 2, I mean verse 2, and when John the Baptist had heard in prison about the works of Christ, all these things he's doing, he sent two of his disciples. And he says to Jesus, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he says this, that I want us to look at it, kind of just caught me out of nowhere. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And you know, that verse is what I want us to look at this morning. Um, Here's John the Baptist, he's in prison, He's probably wondering what in the world's going on. And then he hears things Jesus are doing and there's things Jesus is not doing that he expected he was going to do. We're going to look into that. But he gets to the point where he's confused enough that he's questioning whether Jesus is the one who he told everybody else. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Once Jesus left and went out and, and people were embracing his ministry and coming to him, his own disciples came to him and said, the one who you testified of, the one who you said is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who you said that you seen the Spirit descend like a dove on him and heard the Father from heaven say, this is my Son and who I am well pleased. He says, now everybody's going to him. More people are going to Jesus than us. And John looked at his own disciples and said, yes, and that's a good thing. Now I must decrease so that he must increase. And now, though, the one who he said all that to and who has embraced, he's saying, is he the coming one? 
Or do we need to go and look for another? You know, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but those of us who believe Jesus, who follow Jesus, sooner or later something's going to happen unexpected you didn't expect to happen, that you can't understand, that you can't explain, that probably you didn't even want to happen in your life. And when that happens, you're going to remember and see what all Jesus has done and who he is and what he can do. But it's easy for us to forget that you can get offended because of Jesus. What's he talking about right there? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I like what Jerry Vines says in the Jerry Vines um, expository Bible. Jerry Vines calls this the forgotten beatitude. (laughs) The attitude you need to be to be blessed. And we know that they're hard to understand unless you really look at them. If you just kind of read over that, blessed is he who is not offended by me. But friends, if you look at the Beatitudes, they don't make a lot of sense if you just take a casual look. If you don't take time to meditate and ask the Spirit to help you and to focus and really think about what they're saying. Because this doesn't make sense to the casual observer. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Unless you really take time. You know what I think? The more you ponder them, the more time you meditate on, the more you spend at Jesus asking for his help, the more he can show you and help you to understand. Well, this verse is the same way. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I began to look at that this week, and I said, You know, most of us are far too religious and way not honest enough to say that Jesus has done things before that offended you, that you didn't want, you didn't like, that you didn't expect. But I got to look and say, what does that verse actually say? And if you look at all of the translations together, because I don't know about you, I barely know the English, I surely don't know the Greek like I should. But I look at multiple translations to try to figure out exactly what they're saying. And if you look, the, the, the King James, the New King James says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. But it's actually more accurately translated. And that's what the New American Standard, the NIV translates as, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You see, Jesus can offend you to the point it will stumble you. And actually, it also means to stumble and turn away from. And tell, it says in the New Living Translations, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Friends, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but I see it all the time in church. Something happens people didn't expect, something they don't understand, that they didn't want. And this is what happens to them. They get offended to the point they stumble and they turn away from Jesus. I've seen it more times than I would want to count. Actually, if you put that verse, all of those three translations together, what that verse is saying in the fullness of what that text, I think, would reveal is this. Blessed is the man who does not, is not offended and does not stumble and turn away because of Jesus. Because of Jesus? Have you figured out yet Jesus will allow something to happen in your life that you didn't expect to happen? That Jesus will even make something happen in your life that you don't understand. And that sometimes those things happen that you don't want. Because that's what was happening to John the Baptist. He's like, Man, I've been doing what I was supposed to do. I prepared the way. I preached and told everyone to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom's supposed to be coming. 
He's the Messiah. He's supposed to be bringing in the kingdom. Why is he hanging out with the tax collectors and the harlots? Why is he not doing what we all expected the Messiah to do? And I stood on the moral truth and I stood against Herod and preached against his immorality and now I'm locked up in this prison. He's confused. And friends, sometimes following Jesus doesn't always make sense. (laughs) And this is one of those times. I want you to think about this and if you be honest today, what do you do when Jesus does something unexpected? Something unexplainable or even unwanted in your life? Because I don't know about y'all, I'm looking around out here right now and y'all had stuff happen recently that I promise you didn't expect, that you didn't want, and you can't explain why God's allowing it to happen. But if you belong to God, if you're his child, there are no accidents in your life. Nothing happens by chance in the true child of God's life. It's all under the ordained authority of a holy God that allowed it if it's happening. And, And sometimes, if you're honest, what do you do when Jesus does not do something? you expected him to do something you wanted him to do lord i've been praying for this don't you know how important this is to me why didn't you heal my loved one why didn't you take care of this financial crisis in our life we're losing everything lord why would you let this happen to me i've been looking to you you see guys there are things that happen in life that if you're not careful will bring you to a crisis of belief and your trust and faith in Jesus, that'll cause you to be offended to the point you can stumble and even turn away from Jesus. It happened to John the Baptist, it looks like. He was questioning it. Friends, if it can happen to who Jesus said, and look at verse 11, or surely I say to you, among those born of a woman, there is not one greater than John the Baptist. He said he's the greatest prophet. He's a man of God who perfectly accomplished God's purpose and will in his life and carried out the calling of God. And now all of a sudden, because Jesus is not doing everything he expected, Jesus is not doing everything that he can understand. Jesus is even allowing some things to happen in this man's life that he doesn't want. He's saying, go ask him, is he the coming one or do we need to look for someone else? I'm here to tell you, my friend, You may be disappointed in Jesus, but there is no one else to look to. There is nowhere else to go. And so what I want us to look at here this morning and what I want to remind you about is that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He doesn't always do it the way we thought he would or the way we think he should. And he doesn't always allow to happen things the way we wanted it to go. Sometimes life, is unexplainable. Would you agree? Sometimes God allows something to happen in our life that you can't explain. And friends, I want you to think about this. If everyone had a Jesus, who wouldn't want to follow a Jesus that gives you everything you ask for? A new car, a big house, the the TV Jesus, the prosperity gospel Jesus, the health and wealth Jesus. If you just trust Jesus and believe in him enough, he's going to make you healthy. If you believe everything and you have the faith to trust him, he's going to keep you healthy and wealthy. But friends, listen, the true thing about life is there's people that love Jesus just like John the Baptist who believed in Jesus and followed God, but things didn't go the way they expected. Things didn't end up the way they wished it would. 
And friends, listen, who wouldn't follow Jesus who gives you everything? But guys, the thing that blows my mind is the people who follow with Jesus when things do happen that are unexplainable. Why would they do that? Because ultimately, you don't follow Jesus for what he does. You follow Jesus for who he is. If you're following Jesus for what he does for you, especially for what he does in this life, for how he answers your prayers, and for, you're not going to follow Jesus because sooner or later something will happen that you didn't expect. Sooner or later something's going to happen that you can't explain. God, why did you let this happen to my family? God, why are you letting this happen to my country, to our church? But guys, I've got a news flash for you this morning. God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And when you look at the Bible and the coming of Jesus, you never see a bigger picture and a more precise explanation that God doesn't do it the way we want and he doesn't do things the way we think. He doesn't think like us than when Jesus came. You see, Jesus had been anticipated for the whole history and life of the Jewish people. From the Old Testament scriptures, from the earliest prophets to the last one, John the Baptist, who proclaimed and prepared the way for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the one who had been prophesied, the coming one, the prophet that would come and would make everything okay. We all looking for him, the Savior. But friends, listen to this. Today, I want you to kind of look at what happened. We're going to just kind of focus a little bit. John's circumstances, I don't know about y'all, but your circumstances, if you look at them, and you allow them to control what you choose to trust will make you get confused. Because <laughs> sometimes your circumstances happen unexpectedly. They don't make sense. You can't explain them. And sometimes you're in circumstances that you don't want to be in. And friends, that's kind of what happened with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, here he is. He's done everything he's supposed to do. He was this prophet. He was doing everything God. He lived out in the desert. He lived out there with God. Man, he was, had freedom. He had liberty. He was standing on truth. He was proclaiming. God was on him. He was preaching. And now all of a sudden, his crowd has left. His ministry has come to a close. And now everyone's following this Jesus who he himself said and embraced as the Messiah. And now he does what he should have done. He's a man of God. He preached against Herod who married his brother's wife. And he says, you shouldn't even have her as your wife. And he preaches it, and they put him in jail, and now here he is locked up in jail by himself. He's hearing that Jesus is doing some things. Guess what? Jesus did not do what everyone in the Old Testament expected the Messiah to do. They were expecting a political Savior, a temporal kingdom to be set up. They were looking for the, the, Jew, the Jews... We're looking for a Messiah who would come and who would deliver them from the rule of the Romans, who would set them free and reestablish the Davidic throne of David and make them a sovereign nation and bring the kingdom of Israel back to the glory days of David. But Jesus shows up, and he's not establishing a, spirit, a temporal political kingdom. And they were expecting him to bring judgment, which he will. But they didn't see the cross. 
You see what Jesus is being told by John the Baptist here in that verse when he says, blessed is he who's not offended by me. He's really kind of saying, blessed is my servant who is not upset by the way I handle my kingdom. (laughs) And he's not doing what they expected him to do. You see, they didn't understand the cross. As a matter of fact, the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews to this day that causes them to be offended by Jesus, to turn from Jesus. As a matter of fact, just listen to a couple of these verses I want to throw on you right quick. When you look in the New Testament, Paul says, for the Jews request a sign in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. The Jews request a sign. They want signs and wonders, and the Gentiles, the Greeks, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified on a cross. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles, foolishness. Friends, most people today, when you tell them Jesus is God in the flesh, He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then you look at the cross. Well, how do you let them crucify? Friends, listen, when Jesus, they were looking for Jesus, a king, to ride in on a stallion, a war horse, with an army, and deliver them from the Romans. Here's Jesus. Pilate's got him. He scourged him. He's beat him. He said, here's your king. What do you want me to do with him? Let me show you how quickly people can change with Jesus. A week before that, he rode in on a triumphal entry on a Thursday on a donkey. That ain't what they thought he was going to do. Humble on a donkey. And they're all hearing what he's doing. He's doing miracles. He's healing them. He's feeding them. He's blessing them. He's delivering them from demon possession. He's doing all these things. And he comes riding in. And what did they say? Blessed is he who comes in the name of David, the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed who comes in the name of the Lord. They recognized him and and worshipped him and praised him as the Messiah. Jesus comes in. He's not doing what they expected to do. He's fighting and he's at odds with the the leaders, of the the spiritual leaders. And they're all figuring, how are we going to get rid of him? They falsely accuse him. They have him arrested. They have him beaten and then they put him before there. You know what they began to do? They stumbled because they were offended to think that he could claim he's their king, he's their Messiah, and here's Pilate fixing to crucify him. You know what he said? What do you want me to do with your king? Crucify him. And the Jews have stumbled, and they are offended at a suffering Savior. They didn't see it. They didn't understand. John the Baptist no way could have understood the cross. He didn't see it. He didn't know Jesus had come one time and was going to come a second. But you see, Jesus, what he's doing is, John, everything's going exactly the way I'm supposed to do. I'm preaching the good news to the poor. I'm healing the sick. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And there is a pointed hour that you don't know about that I am going to do the will of my Father. I'm going to die on the cross. But John is confused. You see, there's things going on in our lives bigger than our pay and understanding to know. (laughs) There's things going on in life that you and me don't know enough to make a judgment on how God does life and how God runs the kingdom. You see, John's so confused that he's starting to say, maybe this Jesus ain't who I thought he was. Maybe this Jesus can't fix my life. Maybe this Jesus can't give me what I'm looking for. And so he goes and gets his disciples, two of them, and says, go talk to this Jesus. And go ask him, is he the one, the coming one, 
the Messiah or do we need to look for another? So they go, and so here's Jesus' confession. Look at it with me. Jesus didn't tell him, yeah, I'm the one. Don't he remember what God told him? Don't you? Jesus just told him what I've been doing. And so Jesus' confession is really his confirmation. This is what Jesus says. Jesus just says to him right there, go and tell John the things which you hear and the things you see. Go tell him in John, I mean in Luke's, he said in that very hour, Jesus did many miracles. He healed people. He delivered demons. And then he said, go and tell John what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That was what the Messiah was supposed to do according to the prophetic ministry of Isaiah. And then he says, he adds this to him, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended and stumbles and turns away from me. Now, guys, I want you to think about this. I think we all need to learn that Almighty God knows a lot more about life than we do. Would you agree with me? He knows what's best for us. And when something unexpected happens, it may not be what we would consider good. We may not be able to explain it. And we certainly may not like it. But in the end, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good or he ain't good at all. Amen. And he's good. I don't know why things happen. I look out here and I'm looking at some of you who has lost loved ones unexpectedly, who's gotten sick unexpectedly. Jack didn't want a stroke. Some of y'all, I know, lost your, your kids, your children. You don't want that to happen. But guys, I want to ask you something. When something like that happens, do you quit following Jesus? Where else can you go when something like that happens? Because people let you down. Life lets you down. I want you to think about this with me. When situations come along that we didn't expect, that we can't explain, that we don't even like, that's not a time to stumble and turn from Jesus. That's when we need to trust Jesus more than ever. Because I'm here to tell you guys, God is right. Or he's not God. And things do happen that we won't explain this side of heaven. Things do happen that are unexpected, that we don't like. Or sometimes he doesn't do what we needed him and wanted him to do. But God is always right. I want you to think about this with me. We are God's children, and he is our father. Would you agree? What he's saying in that verse is this. Blessed is the child who does not get upset by the way I handle my family. Now, I don't know about you, in the family I grew up, how many of you ever heard this? But daddy, why not? Everybody else is getting to do it. Why can't I have it? Daddy, when are you going to take this punishment away? Why is it lasting so long? Come on, please. And then you hear those words nobody wants to hear. Because I said so. A parent that never says that ain't a good parent. You see, guys, the children don't tell the father what to do. The father tells the children what to do because the father knows better than the children. My daddy used to do a lot of things, and I hated to hear that because I said so. But now look back at 58, 
At 16, my daddy knew exactly what I needed. And sometimes it don't make sense. All my friends is getting to do it. Why can't I do it? Everybody else in the church is doing it. And God said, but you ain't everybody else in the church. And you're not going to do it. You're my child. God, this ain't fair. Who ever told you life was fair? Life being fair ended when we chose sin. We messed that up. But friends, not only is God the father of his children, he's the king of his kingdom. We forget that. It ain't about me and you. It's about him. It ain't about life down here. It's about life with him. You see, we are God's servant and he is our king. And what he's saying in a way is blessed is the servant who does not get upset by the way he runs his kingdom. That's what happened to Israel. They didn't like their Messiah. They didn't want him to be a suffering savior to die on the cross. They wanted him to come and bless Israel and do everything Israel wanted. But God had a bigger and better plan. Thank God he didn't listen to Israel because me and you would be in trouble. He said, no, I'm going to save everybody. I'm going to make my kingdom available to all nations. And Jesus died for everyone, not just the Jews. The amazing thing is he came to his own, but his own, the Jews, received him not. They rejected him. They stumbled. They were offended by him, and they still are today. And guys, if John the Baptist was in a dilemma He was in a potential spot where he could stumble and turn away from Jesus. Don't think it can't happen to any other disciple. As a matter of fact, I want to show you an example of what I'm talking about in the Gospel of John chapter 6. In the Gospel of John chapter 6, Jesus is doing something that we like him to do. He's blessing our temporal needs. And if you come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, Nine out of ten prayer requests are for temporal needs. And there's nothing wrong with praying for God to bless Aunt Bessie's gout or Uncle Jim's, I better not say that. Y'all wouldn't believe what came to my mind. But anyway, but how often do we hear, pray that God will help me to overcome my sin problem. Hey, pray that God. Friends, listen. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ was here. He's doing all these miracles, and he did one. He, he blessed them. He fed them with the bread. He took a few of their leftovers from a young lad who had a few fish and a couple pieces of bread, and he multiplied it, and he fed all the multitudes. And immediately when he'd done that great blessing, they wanted to make him the king. They wanted to make him the Messiah, the chosen one. I want you to look at it with me. Look at chapter 6 with me in the Gospel of John. Let's pick this up right quick as we close. In in the Gospel of John, Jesus has just performed the miracle we've all heard about when he turned the bread and fed the whole multitude. And look at what it says right there. In verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did... What did he do? He just fed the multitude with the little bit of fish, took their leftovers and fed them all a happy meal. It says, then those men who were there, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet. This is truly the coming one who is to come into the world. That's what they're saying. He's the Messiah. 
Look at verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountains by himself. Why did he do that? Because he knew that the moment he quit blessing them temporarily and giving them what they want, they were going to quit believing in him. And friends, look at what happens here. It says that after that happened, then Jesus goes away. Now, when Eden came, his disciples went down to the sea. That's in verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Next day, they go find him. And we all have heard this preached probably. Look at verse 25. And when they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them. And he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. He says, You're seeking me not for what I really came to give. You're seeking me for what you want, the temporal blessings. And friends, listen, you can pray and Jesus may bless you with money. He may bless you with health. But friends, that don't always happen. The greater thing Jesus can bless you with is what he came primarily to bless you with, eternal life, salvation. And if you're seeking Jesus for those things, sooner or later you'll quit seeking him. And so Jesus tells them in verse 27, do not labor for this food which perishes, the temporal things, for the food which endures to everlasting life, which me, the Son of Man, will give you, because God the Father has set his zeal on me. Why? Because I'm the coming one. I'm him. And then Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God to believe in me whom he sent. So they begin to talk to him. And Jesus begins to see that he's not getting anywhere. So you know what Jesus does? He comes up and tells them something that is looking to the cross. It's alluding to the cross. We understand it because we are on this side of Calvary. We understand it because we know how Jesus took the last Passover and changed it into the Lord's meal, the Lord's Supper, and how he took the Passover meal and said, this bread is my body, eat of it. This wine is my blood, drink of it. And he said, this is the new covenant, my death. They didn't know that yet. They couldn't have known it. So Jesus gives them something that I know would have blew their mind. Listen to what he tells them. It says in verse 52 that the Jews were quarreling among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says to them, look at verse 53, most surely I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We look at that, we understand that that's not literally meaning we do that, but that we spiritually embrace Jesus' death on the cross. We do the Lord's Supper in remembrance of what he did. He gave his body. He shed his blood. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. Can you imagine how this had to be flipping these Jews out? <laughs> and look, Jesus knows they're not going to understand it. So listen to what he goes on and says. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And then he goes on and says in verse 59, these things he said in synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And look at what happened. Not surprisingly therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said this is a hard saying this is difficult who can understand it who would have thought this jesus would want us to eat his flesh who would have thought this jesus would have required of us to drink his blood but 
You see, they don't even know about the cross yet. You see, that's what I'm trying to explain to you today. There's so much more that God is doing in our life that we don't know yet, that we don't see yet. And friends, look at this. This is just what I'm talking about. It says that many of them complain. Look at what he goes on and says in verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said, does this offend you? Jesus will offend you, friend. He can come up, have you not read something in the Bible yet that you can't explain, that you can't understand, that you just got to accept? There's a lot in the Bible you won't ever understand. But thank God there's a lot you can understand. And friends, I want you to see what happens here because I want to show you the life of a person who's doing what Jesus is saying in this verse. He says, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would, not, who would betray him. And friends, they all begin to go away. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of Jesus' disciples went back and walked with him no more. You know what happened? Jesus said something that they was not expecting. He told them something they couldn't explain. And they was asking and he was wanting to do something they didn't want to do. Have you figured out yet following Jesus is exactly like that? The first thing Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, is you got to deny yourself. Who wants to do that? you got to deny yourself. You can't do what you want. You can't get what you expect. Sometimes you got to take what I don't, what you don't expect. And then he says, not only do you have to deny yourself, but you have to take up the cross, your cross. And then you can follow me. The cross is not what we want from Jesus. The cross is what Jesus wants from us. And boy, that separates. That cuts out many. When something in life comes to the point that requires denying yourself and taking up the cross and doing what God wants with your life instead of what you want with your life, many choose to walk away and not follow because they're offended. They stumble. They say, oh, no, that ain't what I wanted, Jesus. I just wanted a new car, a good retirement, the American dream, a nice family. But Jesus didn't give that to us also. And friends, listen, Peter gets it. Now, if we could run Peter down, Peter talked too much. Peter got a big mouth. Peter might have talked a lot. He might have had a big mouth. But a lot of times Peter said the wrong thing. But a lot of times Peter said the right thing. The problem with some of you, you never say the right thing because you're too afraid you're going to say the wrong thing. So you sit around your whole Christian life never saying anything. Now, I agree, Peter would put his foot in his mouth from time to time. But Peter, a lot of times, said what no one else could say. He said, well, only God could put in a man's heart and cause to come out of his mouth. Everybody else is saying, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? This is difficult. I'm offended. I'm leaving. All his disciples are leaving. Jesus looks at the last ones, his 12, and he says, does this offend you? Do you want to leave also? Look at what he tells him. And friends, you know what? There's going to be times in life where there's going to be things happen where you're going to be right in this place. I don't like this. This offended me. This is causing me to stumble. I didn't think following Jesus was going to be like this. This was not expected. This is unexplainable. I don't understand, and I don't like it. But Jesus said, if you want to be blessed, you can't be offended by me. And listen to what he tells Peter right here. 
Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you want to also go away? And then here comes Peter, man. This is unbelievable good stuff. But Simon Peter, oh, Peter, he answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. No one else has it. You might not like some of the things Jesus allowed in your life, but there's nowhere else to go if you want to be saved. You may not like some of the things God has happened in this life, but if you want that life, there's no way there but him. I am the way. I am the truth. No one's coming to the Father but through me. There's only one way. And friends, most of the bad things that happen in this life happen because of sin. God does allow it, but thank God, God still makes a way. And that way is Jesus. There is no other way to be saved. These people that get upset, Jesus didn't do what I expected. He did things I don't understand. He did things I don't like, so I'm through with him. Guess what? God's through with that person. He'll never be in heaven. He'll never be saved. Look what Peter said also. Peter says, where can we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternity. And we have come to believe. We have come to believe and know that you are the Christ. That's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Friends, once you know that, even when God allows things, even when things happen that don't, you're going to still follow him. Peter said, there's nowhere else to go. You know, it amazes me today how I see people so easily decide that they don't want to follow Jesus anymore because something happened they didn't like. I don't know if you understand this or believe this, but God knows what he's doing even when you don't know. Trust him in the unexpected. Trust him in the unexplainable. Trust him even in the unwanted, and he tells you, I'll bless you. Friends, there's nobody here that probably hasn't had this stuff happen. We've lost loved ones. We've, some of us have had health issues. We've went through troubles. Just last service, I was looking around, and I said, here's Brother Kenneth. I don't know why God would do this, but why would he let that man's grandson, a good guy, a wonderful guy, I love old brother Brett, but why would he let a young man like Brett Ricard, Richard, have a tumor that everybody said is inoperable, that would everybody say, what in the world's going on? But he sure got a church on their knees. He sure got people to pray in. And by the grace of God, he did bless and set Brett free. You know, right at the same time, his grandmother, Miss, Miss um, Brenda, has got a spot on her liver. Her sister passed from a cancer of the liver, and she's praying. Oh, pray for me, Brother Marvin. They're talking to me every day. I'm on the phone with them. Pray that we'll get a good report. I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to get a doctor's report. Pray that Brett finds a doctor to do it. You know, thank God God did that. But then I look at some of us out here, and God didn't do it. I talked to a young man. Well, he ain't a young man, but he ain't an old man. Brother Adrian. Y'all have seen Brother Adrian come up here. We prayed for him and his mama, Miss Angela. To Brother Adrian, his mama is the world. He's, he's never been with anywhere but with his mama. He's lived his whole life dependent and lived with her and never lived anywhere else. And his mama got sick, and he was praying, heal my mama, Lord, pray for my mama to get healed. We prayed here for it to get healed. I prayed with him over the phone for her to get healed. He called me just this week. He said, Brother Marvin, Mama went home to see Jesus yesterday. What do I say to him that I could say to Brother, who he did do what he wanted. 
Friends, listen, sometimes I can't explain it. I don't know how it works, but I do know this. The only one that I have to tell you who can help you is not me. It's not this church. It's Jesus. The same person who comes with me where I don't know what to say. All I can say is Jesus. Trust Jesus. Don't be offended by what's happened. Don't let this that's happened cause you to to stumble and walk away. Walk to Jesus. No matter how bad it is, no matter how unexpected, no matter how unexplainable, no matter how hard it is to understand, no matter how much you didn't want it, if God allows it, if you won't let it bless you, and you just say, Lord, I didn't want it, I don't understand it, and I certainly wasn't expected, but I'm going to trust you anyway. God says in that verse, I'll bless you. I'll bless you anyway. And friends, you know what I've come to find? The person who's blessed the most, the greatest faith, is not a faith that can conjure up answered prayers one after another. It's a faith who never falters to follow Jesus and trust him. Because guess what? When troubles and troubles come, that's the greatest gift God can give you is the assurance that he is with us. Amen? That God loves us. Today, this is not a normal message. Amen? But I'm going to tell you what. Living through where we're living at today, when I look at what's happening to America, my country, I'm offended. How about you? I almost want to stumble. I almost want to say, God, I don't want this to happen. I'm through. Why won't you bless America again? Why won't you help us? God, why are you letting people who hate you who are against you, who don't want anything to do with you, have their way. And the people who are for you, who do say they love you, they don't get nothing anymore. And then God, also I look around. I don't understand a pandemic. God, you tell us to build a church. You tell us to grow a church. And then you send a pandemic and close the church down. And then we stay obedient. And we keep trying to do it, and we start doing good, and things are getting good again, and we see God blessing. We see what we look at as what God would want, people in church and worshiping him. And then he sends a freeze in the deep south. I don't know about y'all, but last week when my church, when my building fell in, I'm out there looking at it, and I'm saying, God, I never thought this was going to happen. I live in the south. I'd have never dreamed when I bought this place that one day I'd be calling an insurance company saying, my shed fell in from snow. <laughs> In the south. You never know what's going to happen, Brother Bud. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know this. I made up my mind a long time ago that I believe God is good. I believe God's always right. And even when I don't know what's going to happen, I can't expect it. I didn't expect it. I don't know how to explain it. And I don't like it. I'm still going to trust him. How about you? I'm going to trust him. I'm going to keep following him. And I'm going to keep saying God is good even when I don't think it's good. I'm going to start saying God, you so want even when I don't like it. You know why? Because he said that's who he blesses. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Friends, sometimes you can get offended by Jesus. This morning, there's somebody here, I promise you, you ain't never been truly saved. You're still looking to Jesus, wondering if he's who he said he is. If you're making Jesus do things to prove who he said he is, you ain't coming. He already showed you who he said he is when he went to the cross and died for you. And when you read his scriptures, today, you need to come to Jesus, not because of what he wants him to do for you, but because of who he is. And for those of us who are saved, I just want to remind you that Jesus is worthy to follow and trust with everything. He's the God on the mountain. He's the God in the valley. He's the same God in your troubles that is there with you in your blessings. And today, he's worth trusting through everything. John the Baptist struggled. We all struggle. But blessed is the one who is not offended 
by Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray and sing. Father in heaven, I just come, Lord, asking you to use this for your glory. I thank you for the help that you are to each and every one of us. And Lord, I thank you that I don't explain it anyway except by grace that since I've come to know you, in 20-some years, Lord, 25 years, I've come through many disappointments. I've had many things that I didn't like. Lord, there's been things in my life I couldn't explain that I still today don't understand. But one thing I've learned is that I can trust you. I can trust you when I don't know. I can trust you when I can't figure it out. I can trust you that no matter what's in my life, no matter what I may be confused with, that you're good and that you know what's best. And so, Lord, help us today to do that. Help us to give you everything and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.
or go back down south by our family. But God sent us here. You know what I've come to find? God knew a lot more what I needed than I did. I'm right where he wanted me to be, and he's, he's doing just what he wants to do. Same with you. He, Trey, I'm so excited. Him and Sandy come today to join the church. You know, I've been praying. I said, well, they'll join one day. Trey told us a while back. He said, I think I'm going to join Brother Barbara. Just pray with me. I'm a little nervous. We're nervous. Following Jesus will make you nervous. Amen. He comes today to join the church. Praise the Lord. Amen. God's good. Friends, I don't know what God's wanting you to do, but it's more than just take an easy, casual approach. It's to trust Him to go wherever He tells you to go. Do whatever He wants you to do. And that's where you'll find yourself finding out how great He is. Amen. We're going to sing one more time if you need to come. Maybe someone needs to be saved. Maybe someone else He's putting on your heart to do something. Just maybe come. We had somebody at the altar last service. If you need to come, this is your verse. I surrender all. Let's sing it like we mean it. Let's pray it to the Lord on this last time. text the other day. He said, Brother Marvin, me and Trey's praying. I just got to be real. I've read that. I bet I've read that text 15 times. She said, by the end of February, we ought to be official. And I was thinking today, this is Marvin's flesh. Man, today's the last day of February, Sunday. If he don't come today, I ought to go tell Tech. I ought to go tell Trey. Come on now. I'll take care of it. Just come to Marvin. Brother Marvin will fix it. Just if you want to join. But you know what? I don't do that. I don't want you to join because Marvin asked you. I want you to come because the Holy Spirit knows you. And he led you. And I, I was tempted to come tell Trey. You know, today's the last Sunday, brother. I'm but you know what? He came because Jesus was telling him to come. And his wife. <laughs> Smart man. But all kidding aside, if you listen to Jesus, even when Jesus might tell you something that don't make sense, even though Jesus might show you something that you didn't expect, even sometimes you might not want, I know Trey didn't want to walk up here, but you know what? He'll bless you when you trust him to do whatever he asks you to do. Surrender all his work. Amen. God bless you. Before you leave today, y'all come hug this dear family. Let them know how bad we are. And I told them they weren't going to have to feel nothing out today. <laughs> I'm joking. They'll get it. She'll get it. All kidding aside, how many of you is glad Jesus don't listen to us? 
that he does what he wants instead of what we want, we'd be in a mess. Billy, um, I'm going to say this and I'm going to shut up. I read where Ruth um, Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said, if God would have answered my prayer, I'd have married the wrong man three times. <laughs> so we thank God for unanswered prayers this morning. Amen. Amen. Brother Jonathan, would you dismiss us and ask God's blessing on the um, offering? And then also um, thank God for Trey and Sandy coming to be with us. Yes. Father God, we just thank you this morning, Lord. And Father God, that you met with us here. Lord, we thank you for adding to us, Lord, for bringing the young family with us, Lord. We thank you for the, the blessing that they already are, Lord. We pray that we can continue to minister to them, Lord. And Lord, that they can minister to us. Father, we pray that you would continue to add to our church, Lord. To build us up, Lord, not for numbers, Lord, but to bring more people to the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that you bless the offering, Lord. Bless the gift and the giver. Be with those, Lord, that are still having struggles today, Lord. As they go out into the work week, Lord, we pray for comfort. I pray that you would be with the Crenshaw family right now, Lord, as, as I'm, I'm sure that they miss uh, Brother Carl, Lord. But we thank you for the life that he, that he lived, Lord, and for the people that were saved because of his life, Lord. I pray that you would continue to bless our church, Lord, continue to move amongst us, Lord, continue to speak throughout the day. Help us to remember the words that you, uh, you showed us today, Lord. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.